and that little boy who for the last two and a half years has suffered through so much has needed a heart and lung transplant and we just it looked like he was going to die um, a number of times and you know you pray about that and you say God it just hurts to see this but we got news recently that this little boy he's six years old now he's got a heart and lung transplant and he's doing well and the hospital is in Pennsylvania and it's on 34th Street. So they sent a note out saying, we have had our own miracle on 34th Street. So, you know, I say that praise be to God and for that family who are able to uh, hold their little boy. So saying that, uh, next week we will have the, you know, the traditional Christmas message. This week I wanted to look again in a section of Scripture Guys, Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 8 are two of the most amazing chapters in the Bible that tell us uh, the heart of God and, and, and the blessings that He's poured out to us. And, and, and with all that, I believe that if you can grab hold of this section of Scripture, it'll transform your life. It'll, it'll revolutionize the way you live. It'll, it'll give you a sense of hope and a foundation of truth that, that's unshakable. And so looking at that this morning, turn with me to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. And I ask you to stand in God's honor as I read from His holy word. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will surely also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with him, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. As those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Let's pray. Master, we come to you grateful that you clearly provide hope, Lord. You provide hope for tomorrow. And you provide hope from the past of our regrets and sins. But thank you that you also provide hope for each day. That you have not called us to be victims, but to be victors. You have not called us to live in misery, but to live with a master. And I pray, Father, that you might show us from your word who we are, whose we are. And God, that we might uh, take a hold of what you have provided at the cross. And 
what was made evident by the resurrection. And what we can count on as one who intercedes for us. And who is our advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ. So just speak to us in the time that remains. That we may see how awesome Jesus is. And in your name we pray. In 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was proclaimed in America. Word slowly began to move down through the Carolinas and, and Virginia and Georgia and, and uh, throughout the South in plantations. Headlines read, Slavery Legally Abolished. However, the sad news was that there were many, many slaves who did not receive this news Although legally they were set free, although legally the United States of America had declared that they were no longer slaves, that they were set free, they did not receive the news and they continued to live in slavery. One Alabama slave was asked, what do you think about the great emancipator Abraham Lincoln and the freedom that you now have? And here's what he said. I don't know nothing about Abraham Lincoln except they say he set us free and I don't know nothing about that neither. How tragic. A war was fought. Lives were lost. Slaves were declared free. But yet they continued to live in slavery. And guys, I tell you something else that's tragic. It's not just back there where there were slaves that continued to live in slavery. It's today where God's people have been declared free. Where Jesus came and He died so that freedom might be won. And all this has been accomplished, and yet so many of God's people continue to live in slavery. Continue to be under the thumb of sin instead of knowing that freedom that is available in God. How tragic. Most of us have learned by heart 1 John 1, 9 that says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And guys, that is an awesome truth and praise be to God I, I can lean on that. But how many of us have memorized Romans 6 verse 13 that says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin but yield yourselves unto God and your members as instruments of righteousness as those who are alive from the dead as as members of righteousness to God. Hey, the Bible says that in Christ there is a power where we don't have to live as victims, but we can live in His strength. We can live in His victory. Hey, the old plantation owner has nothing on the devil who wants to continue to say, you are a sinner. You have no power. You have no hope. But the truth of the matter is, we all do. That's what the message of Jesus is all about. You see, positionally, although, yeah, we do fall. Although, yeah, there are times where we do break the heart of God. Yeah, there are times where we find ourselves in sin. Positionally, when the Heavenly Father looks at us, what He sees is Jesus. What He sees is what was won at Calvary. What He sees is people who have been covered with the perfection of Jesus. Hey, that's, that's what he sees. And instead of beginning each day with dread, in, instead of beginning each day thinking, oh man, the day stinks. Instead, there, there, there's a hope of being able to, to start his day and saying, God, man, no matter what happens, I'm going to end up with you. 
And, 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 and no matter what happens, you provide a strength. The first half of this chapter that, that, that we uh, look, read together this morning in honor of our God, it informs us that we're free. That's what it's about. There's that declaration, there's that emancipation proclamation, and our great emancipator is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and there's two questions here. Uh, first, in verse 1, look at it. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may be increased? He says, by no means. <laughs> this question is addressed to those who, who have been freed from slavery, from the mastery of sin. And he's saying, hey, should we stay there? Should we stay there under the thumb of guilt and shame? Shall we stay there under the power of sin and not look to Christ and walk in Christ and to gain the victory that he proclaims? Look what he says, verse 2, by no means, no way. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? He says, they don't stay there. Then drop down to verse 15. I realize that's a verse beyond where we read. But the second question, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And then he says, by no means. And this is totally different. Here he's talking about abusing grace. Here what he's saying is, he's saying, hey, do you just keep sinning and say, you know, it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission. He says, no way. It's, it's, you see what he's done for me, and I'm going to live a heart of gratitude out of what he's done for me. I don't want to live abusing his grace. The Christian life is, is not about living as you please, but it's about living for his pleasure. And that's when we find meaning. That's when we find hope. That's when it makes sense. Look here through the scripture. Verse 3. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Look at verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 9. For we know... That since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. All three verses. No, no, no. There is something we need to know. What is he trying to share? We need to know that we are free. That we are not trapped. That we are no longer without hope. That there is no power to live above the drudgery of each day and the drudgery of the old nature and the, the drudgery of sin. Look at verse 11. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. He says, hey, this is how you are to see yourself. This is what you're, some translations it says, consider, it says, reckon. But the point is, this is the proper view. Dead to sin. Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Sin, don't let it reign in your mortal body. It's evil desires. Look at verse 13. In the NIV, don't offer your parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. It's not, our body is not to be an instrument of wickedness, but to offer as righteousness sake. The word could also be translated weapon. Don't let your body be a weapon for sin. But in this great spiritual fight, let your body be a weapon of God 
to show forth His righteousness, to show forth His victory. Right? You see, there, there's been a change in management. There's been a change in masters. We are no longer to be identified with sin, but to be identified with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism and a death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Hey, there's been a great change here. There's been a new identification. It's talking about a baptism. But in this particular baptism, it is not specifically referring to the kind of baptism where you get wet. <laughs> but it is talking about a type of baptism where you are changed. The key here is that there is an identification that takes place. The word here, baptizo, of course, we, to immerse, was often used when it spoke about clothing as it was put under the dye. And so the color was changed. The cloth itself was changed. And then it, as you looked at it, there was something new. A change had happened as it was identified with the dye. And, and there was this connection as the dye covered the fabric. And there was this new change. And so the picture here is that Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, changes us and, and becomes a part of us and transforms us. And now we are identified with Jesus Christ. He says, how shall we that died to sin still live within it, within sin? And, and the question is, when did I die to sin? Died to sin at that moment. That moment of being buried with him through baptism into death. Buried in his death in order that Christ, who was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may be raised to a new life, to live a new life. At that moment of, of salvation before Christ, man, it was without hope. It was an addiction to, to sin and, and to being lost. But Jesus changes that. Jesus has changed that, and he's done a new work in our lives. That, that's, that's the description that it's talking about here, uh, 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 where he works. Notice in, in verse 5, he says, If you've been united with him like then in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is the power that lives in you and me. That's what happens at the time of salvation. You're not just saved from sin. You are saved not to be under the authority of sin. That, that, that is the power that He makes available. Yes, there is that old nature, and yes, I'm prone to sin, but I'm not obligated to sin. There is a power to overcome sin that lives within us. Verse 6 talks about the battle, for we know our old self, uh, the King James, the old man, was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with. There is this battle, but we've been freed. Now, how does that play out each day? We wake up, Lord, here I am, God, mess and all. But I come to you, the one who is more than able to meet me right where I am and lift me up close to you, to give me victory, to liberate me, and to set me free that I'm not under the bondage of where I don't want to be, but that I stay close to you. God, take control of my life. You know what the day holds. Give me strength to walk. 
you through this day, Lord, in your power, that I'll say no to sin, and that when I'm tempted to worry, I'll, I'll rest in your victory, and, and to understand that, that in Christ, there's victory, there's resurrection power. How, how's it impact me? Look at verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. That, that's how it affects us, that life. Consider yourself there. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer your, yourselves to that. Offer yourselves to His righteousness. Because sin shall not be your master. You're not under the law, you're under grace. J. Vernon McGee used to tell a, a colorful story about a lady who married her childhood sweetheart. And man, was it a beautiful romance. I mean, they had a great time together. But then tragically, one day he, he died. And she was so broken, she couldn't stand to think about living without John, her beloved. And so she had him embalmed, set him in a chair, put him in a glass case, set him right at the door. So when she opened the door, hi, John. Hey, honey, how are you? You know, you're sitting there. So that way John remained in the house. Well, after a while, she... Decided she needed to get away, so she traveled to Europe, spent some time over in Europe, met a man over there, fell in love, whirlwind romance, ended up getting married, came time to come home. The only problem was she had not told her new husband about old John. So when it came time, he picked her up to carry over the threshold, opened that door, and when he walked in, yeah, you got it. He saw old John sitting there, almost dropped her straight in the floor. And he said, who is this? And she said, oh, that's, that's my old man, my former husband, John. said, well, he's got to go. And so as J. Vernon McGee said, he dug a big hole, put old John case and all, glass case and all in the ground and buried him. And so the picture here is that old sinful nature's got to go to be buried in Jesus Christ and to be raised to new life in Christ and to walk in that life. That's the picture that the Scripture provides. That, that's the picture that, that, that He gives to us. And when that happens, a beautiful side effect of that is we don't even realize it, but when we're walking with God, he, the scent of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus becomes a part of us. And people look and say, man, there's something about you that's different. It's Jesus. And others are attracted and, and people see, hey, there is hope. There's something to live for. There's something that matters. That's Christ. And that's what happens when this truth becomes alive. That we understand that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is available to us. That we don't have to live under the thumb of sin, but that God provides victory for us to rely. The, the, it is the weapon that he provides it and the call to, to use our body as a weapon for righteousness, to fight sin. And, 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 and that's the power that, that is available that he, that he provides. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I used to like to watch Gomer Pyle. I don't know if any of y'all seen it. Man, it's an old show now, sadly enough. I feel older every day when I think about being an old show. But I remember Gomer, matter of fact, this is embarrassing, but the first time I called Cindy, she said, you sound like Gomer Paul. But anyway, remember he'd say, Shazam, 
and, and, and you know, he'd sit there, he'd smile. Sergeant Carter would be yelling in his, you remember those pictures? You know, he'd be yelling at him, you know. I mean, most of the time, the, those people, you know, they were not fond of the drill sergeant. They weren't like Governor Powell. Because, man, these guys were tough. They had an objective. They had a job. And it was to break the will of, of those soldiers so that they would be ready to obey a command. And, and boy, they were tough. And they, they had a way of doing that. And it was oppressive at times to go through that boot camp. And, and it was painful. And he was underneath the sun. <laughs> Praise be to God, there comes that day um, where able to get out of the military. There, There is that day where... Where you're able to unenlist, uh, able not to be under that command, to be discharged. And hey, that's what happens in Jesus. We are discharged from that old drill instruction that says, you are a sinner, you are a loser, you have no hope. Why do you break God's heart? Why do you keep doing this? That drill instructor that pounds those messages and God says, you have been discharged by the power of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. That's what it's about. That's what he provides. And so often it's so sad among God's people. Uh, we think, well, you have to look just like me. You have to act just like me. You have to do exactly like I do if you want to be holy. Baloney. Good Greek word for that. You are holy thanks be to Jesus Christ who died for you, who died to set you free, and who provides you resurrection power. Hey, I love Galatians 5.13, that so beautifully, guys, says, You brothers were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. You, you see, the picture there is our call is freedom. And it's not a freedom just to indulge the sinful nature and to say, Thank you, God, I'm going to forget you. No, it's a freedom that comes out of such a deep gratitude and understanding that you are saved, that you want to touch the lives of other people. You want to serve other people. Hey, that's, 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 that's what happens. Unfortunately, sometimes in churches, there are modern-day Pharisees. <laughs> Remember what happened to the Pharisees? They wanted to kill Jesus. And what did Jesus want to do? He wanted to set people free. They were called to be free. Live there. Don't live under the cruel oppression of sin. Don't continually worry about the next failure you think you're going to have. Live in His power. We're not called to live as we please, but to live for God's pleasure. It's easy to be misunderstood. But He loves you. He loves you, guys. There's a difference between tradition and traditionalism. Someone has said that tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditions are good in that when you know the meaning behind it and those who have gone before us sing these beautiful hymns that we love to sing. And, and, and as, as we look at that and we remember their faith, maybe those people are no longer with us, but that faith is still living, the, the power of those words and that music. But traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. And we need to be careful that what we do when we come together and the rituals that we have, that they're living and they're not dead. But that they're connected to Jesus. And that they're sung to Jesus. And that they're act of worship to Jesus. 
and that they're a blessing to Jesus. And that it's not traditionalism. It's not a dead faith of the living, but a living faith. Um, John 7, 37 says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later received. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. He's been glorified. The Spirit of Jesus Christ has been given. And within, we, each one of us, are rivers of living water. And God's intention is that those rivers of living water will flow out of us. Will flow freely out of us, and that they will clearly point to the victory of Jesus Christ. I close with a story from that uh, great writer Max Lucado in his book, The Grip of Grace. He tells the story about a little boy who loved to shoot a slingshot. The only problem was he was a bad aim, and he'd often hit what he didn't intend to hit. Well, he hit his grandmother's pet duck, and he killed her pet duck. So he hid the duck in the woodpile because he didn't know what else to do. He was terrified. His sister Sally saw what happened. She took advantage of the situation. When it came time to go inside and for Sally to do the dishes, she said uh, that her brother Johnny, he, Johnny really, he wants to do the dishes tonight. Um, he, he, he believes that he needs to do the dishes tonight. He said, isn't that right, Johnny? And he said, and then she whispers, remember the duck. And so he does the dishes. And so this happens over the next couple of days. Sometimes it's his turn to do the dishes. He does the dishes. Sometimes it's Sally's turn to do the dishes. He doesn't want to do the dishes. And when he begins to turn away, Sally walks over to him and says, Remember the duck. Remember the duck. Well, this goes on about two weeks. Finally, Johnny had had enough of it. He thought, I can't stand to do this anymore. I have got to tell Grandma what happened. So he goes to Grandma and he says, Grandma, he says, I'm so sorry, but uh, I accidentally killed your duck and hit the duck in the woodpile. And she smiled and hugs him and says, Honey, I know, I was watching through the window the whole time. I saw what happened, but because I love you, I chose to forgive you. I just wondered how long you'd let your sister Sally hold you a slave to do the dishes. And I'm glad that you have now finally decided to come clean and to be free. Guys, uh, what about you? Is there something that you too would like to be set free? Jesus says you're free. But for whatever reason, you still in chains. What this message is about is that we are called to be free. Maybe you've never trusted him for the first time and, and in your heart bowed and said, God, I'm a sinner, forgive me, enter my life. And you need to be set free from those sins that you know, hold you away from heaven. But you know what? He provides power today. And there's a hope for tomorrow in heaven. And, and all of that is through Jesus. And, and, and I just invite you to hold on to, to that truth, to him. Embrace his freedom. 
How long are we living here for, Lord? You know, in some ways, it's the greatest Christmas message of all, isn't it? I mean, that's why Jesus came for us, right? Let's live there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the altar. There may be some who need to come to this altar, Lord, and to pray. Thank you for the fact that Jesus prays for us, stands in the gap for us, intercedes. He is our mediator. Lord, thank you for that, God. Because Jesus always wins. And we belong to him. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray that no one would leave here today without understanding that. There's only one place to run, and it's to Jesus. May no one leave here running away from Jesus, but to him. God, as we walk out these doors, too, there's a world that needs to know this message. People talk like they got it together until they're honest. People talk about, ah, that religion's outdated. You know, a friend of mine told me this week, Lord, how they had a judge who just declared that they can take crosses out of a military cemetery in another state because the cross shouldn't be on public property. And yet all I could think of was that cross is there for a reason because that person who is in the ground is saying, there's more than just this grave. This cross signifies my hope. And to take away that cross is to spit upon that grave and to not, not say, I care about this person in this grave because that was his hope. Father, we're so deluded in this land, so many. Return us to the cross. Return us to the resurrection. Return us to the victory that you provide. And Father, it's, it's not because I'm angry, it's because I'm sad, God. Because we're missing what matters. And the result of that is we will miss heaven. Turn us your way. And this day, however you want to speak among us, may we say yes. In Christ's name we pray.